0: A v nation is brought to you by sure because every voice matters
1: from an integrator perspective when we're when we're choosing equipment, one of the things we do is go to those uh, uh manufacturers' websites and see what they're already proven to play nice with. I don't think that this is brain surgery, um, I think this is basic product management uh you if you're selling microphones or nanos. Uh, you want your product to work with absolutely everybody else that's in the mainstream uh, out there and if you're you know if you're a, a sniveling little aspirational upstart manufacturer uh, it it better work with everybody uh, because we're you know we're not even going to give you a listen so
0: if you want to watch somebody cringe just say the word proprietary. Oh.
2: Cooperation in the video conferencing space. Walmart buys a TV company and giving end users a vision of everything. All that and more next on AV Week. This is AV Week, episode 653, recorded Friday, February 23rd, 2024. Walmart buys Vizio. This is AV Week, the weekly wrap up of the biggest stories in the audiovisual Uh, industry that we could find this week and do we have a couple of doozies. With me to talk about the news and information we have gathered first and foremost Kelly Teal. Welcome ma'am.
3: Thank you for having me as always.
2: Thank you so much. Uh, Also with us is our buddy Mr. Brock McGinnis from Nationwide and uh, the great country of Canada. Welcome sir. Good to be invited back Tim. Should be an interesting conversation today. It absolutely should. Uh, And last but not least a young lady that I am very excited to have on um because it took me 15 years to get her on ab week <laughs> misty chalk from bright sign welcome ma'am
0: thank you i'm finally i'm glad i could finally make it
2: <laughs> no kidding i got we got we got to hang out at isc you can check out her interview. <laughs> he wouldn't
0: leave my booth until i gave him the time
2: 100 percent. i would not and it was it was like they were shutting off the lights at isc and i'm like i'm not leaving it was it was you know yeah yeah, anyhow, uh, first story uh, we've got comes to us from, good Lord, anybody in the in the world. Just Google Walmart and Vizio this week. That's right. U.S. retailer Walmart has announced it will fully acquire television maker Vizio in a deal worth $2.3 billion. I am going to ask a very big favor for all of you listening and or watching. You're gonna, I'm going to ask you to keep some numbers in your brain. It's not easy for me, which is why I have a piece of paper in front of me. But just keep these numbers in your head. Walmart's buying Vizio for 2.3 billion dollars, almost two billion dollars. Uh, UK. Walmart said it says it says it hopes buying the California-based company, known for its smart TVs, will bolster its own ad business. Walmart Connect. Uh, last year, Walmart Connect generated 3.4 billion dollars buying Vizio for 2.3 billion they done made 3.4 billion in their ad revenue uh, Vizio uh, last year made 2.4 billion themselves them, themselves in a joint statement firm said combining Walmart's retail data on shop uh, data on shoppers with Vizio's viewer data would create differentiated and compelling opportunities quote unquote for brands to advertise on its TV platform. Of course, it's subject to regulatory approvals. The transaction is expected to complete later this year. Mr. McGinnis, we're going to start with you. How concerned should we be when a ginormous major retailer starts buying up AV manufacturers?
1: So I couldn't care less, um, and I don't. Okay. I don't think that Vizio is an AV manufacturer. I think they're a consumer electronics uh, uh, producer. And frankly, Tim. When the announcement came out, I had to look them up uh, because I don't stumble across Vizio and Hisense and some of those in my uh, in my day-to-day activities. Um, it seems to be an ad play. Uh, I was reading a column by uh, uh, one of my favorite industry pundits, Dave Haynes at 69. Yep. Um, you know, uh, Dave says that, um, that all of Vizio's profit Came from advertising last year, not from televisions. Uh, I get that uh, they don't make their own TVs, uh, from from what I read. Uh, I have no idea who buys them, and frankly, I don't even know where they're sold. Um, but uh, apparently, Walmart. Uh, well, and, and and now, and now maybe yeah. just Walmart, uh, because if you're Costco, do you want to sell Walmart's TVs um, and have Walmart advertising to your customers? So. It's um, I'm sure it's big and kind of that that uh, high volume CE business, but uh, it uh, it certainly doesn't rock my uh, pro uh, commercial AV world in the least. All right. I have been to a Walmart, though.
2: Do they have them in Canada? Yeah, we do. Because you, you couldn't you couldn't make the, the the super targets fly, is my understanding. Uh, the Target boutiques. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, no, they couldn't make it fly. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't. The the Walmart, they couldn't price differentiate here. You, you you needed to put a Tim Hortons in the Targets is what you should have done, and then they would have been very popular. I'm getting off off on a tangent here. Although Tim Hortons coffee is very good, (laughs) Uh, Misty, I'm bringing you in on this. Uh, You you mentioned the fact that you know this is a huge move in the advertising space, right? In, In the in the digital out of home space. The fact that, you know, I have a lot of respect for Dave Haynes. I learn a lot from him, uh, the, the, the gentleman that Brock mentioned there. The fact that Vizio's primary, their their business, their profit comes from advertising. And Walmart mentioned it in their announcement. Is this one of those things? It's not a loss leader, right? Because that's that's not the right word to say. But what do we make of this kind of combining of these two? And what does this do to that digital ad space when it comes to not necessarily um, you know, a retailer owning this, but a, I guess the, you know, really the, the, the retailer is now becoming the ad seller as well.
0: So I actually think that it, I agree with Brock. It's a consumer play, right? I think that people that are more concerned about this are, are living in the consumer world, which is not us. I actually think for my world and digital signage, it's a good thing because what's driving digital signage at Walmart is their ad business and this is basically Walmart doubling down on that. Um they're they're putting that much importance on their ad business and in fact I read an article yesterday that suggested that Walmart in, in 2020 what, 2028 that their ad business their ad revenue will be more than their brick and mortar sales. So yes, not a loss leader. This is where it's at. And if you look at like so what's driving what's driving the ad business? Or Walmart helps our like AV and digital signage because what they're doing is it's not just about the ads, it's actually getting into the home and getting the data. They want the data, they want the consumer data, they want to be in your home, right? And then they can actually tailor that data, but where does that data go? That data goes into their signage platform. And so I feel like for us personally personally, it's a good thing. Where it's a bad thing is for people like Amazon and Roku right? Because that's who they're competing with. Is, is It's the streaming. It's the ads and the streaming. And what happens and why Walmart needed to do this is because the TV platforms, when they have their own ad server, their own streaming and ad server, they get a portion of every one of those ads, right? Walmart was missing out on that. So they can't compete with the likes of Amazon and Roku unless they did. They made a play like this. And so is it is it going to be more competitive for Amazon and Roku, you sure? But I think it's actually a really good thing for digital signage because it's again, All Walmart right. doubling down on that.
2: Absolutely, and and, and again, you're you're probably right. You're, you're you are right when it comes. It's not really a loss leader when you start doing the math on the fact that they're they they've already made three billion and they only bought them for for two. Kelly, I, I I somewhat joked, and I and I'm I'm not really joking about a manufacturer or a, a retailer buying a manufacturer, you know. I'm not saying that, that Target now is going to go out and buy, um, you know, Questron to pick on a, to pick on somebody. But you know, how concerned should we be when retailers start picking up? And I don't. I mean, we we can pull it into the pro, pro side. You pick on a distributor, right? You know, so a distributor is the pro AV version of, of a retailer. And don't don't send me emails. I you know it's I know it's different, but that's this is the equivalent I've got. Should we be concerned about? what in essence is the distributor in this case Walmart owning the product <laughs> that they are distributing
3: you know i'm not surprised by this because uh walmart has had their walmart connect distribution system i guess you could call it um and and i I'd, I'd like to see how they're also going to use that automatic content recognition data um in this solution that they they've come up with where they've expanded on their visio Partnership, um, and I think as far as the acquisition of it, it being a man, a software manufacturer, um, you know, from from our standpoint as a consultant. Not a huge deal, but the implications for that, um, aside from the market competition and large retailers entering that software market, could potentially lead to increased competition, which could be a positive consumer consumers, but it can also spur innovation and drive down prices. Um, so, you know, I think this vertical integration concept, where they uh, retailers are acquiring the software manufacturers to vertically integrate their operations, um, I think it's good and bad. It'll enhance efficiency and control control. control um, over the supply chain, potentially benefiting both retailer and software manufacturer. The thing I find a little concerning is consumer data and privacy. Um, As I've brought up several times in the past, um, I have concerns about consumer data and privacy and the large retailers often having access to significant amounts of consumer data and that integration of that software um, raising questions about the data usage and, and the privacy policy. So that's, that's one, one implication I, I feel is important to, to look into, um, or, you know, at least consider and, um, you know, that market access, uh, for the software manufacturers because they're being, uh, you know, they the aqu- acquisition by a large retailer, um, even though it may provide a broader market or access, you know, the existing consumer base and, and the channels that they may offer opportunities for the software to reach a larger audience, that's all great. But then there's concerns about whether that focus on innovation is impacted and if the priorities and strategies of a large retailer are going to have any um say and and how that is impacted in terms of of the innovation of the product, Um, you know, because the goals of retailers are outside of the technology sector. It doesn't, I don't think they align very well with the uh, industry's dynamics, let's say. So I I, I do worry about, um, you know, it it being a large retailer and then focusing on the innovation of the product. Um, You know, I, I think those are really the largest implications. Outside of that, I don't think it's something that, we should be too worried about, um, you know, I, I think um, this entry of these large retailers into this software market also might change the dynamics of the industry a little bit. Um, it may impact smaller software companies and startups. Uh, so I do think there is a little bit uh, of a downside in that aspect, uh, making it more challenging for them to compete because this is all based on competition as it is with some of the biggest like Amazon and um You know other other companies who have a similar um, setup currently, and and I think right now this acquisition of Walmart acquisition of Vizio from Walmart is I think it's opening a, a bunch of opportunities to them, and I think that they have a Walmart Plus membership now. Business overnight sounds very Amazon-like. Um, mm-hmm. at, at what point do we start saying, okay, I'm paying for this and I'm not getting my overnight anymore, just like Amazon, you know? Um, so there's things that, that can work uh, with this acquisition and there's things that I, I personally think might be bad. Uh, but am I overly concerned? Not yet.
2: Mm. The, the one thing I'll, I'll, I'll end with this is, is this, is the fact that Vizio, as much as they were consumer electronics, um or still are they had their ad network similar to some other players in the commercial space just like lg and samsung so this will be interesting to watch whether or not any other retailers do come along and say hey walmart did it we can we can do the exact same thing so it'll be
0: interesting hi this is jennifer goodyear and erica carroll From From the the Women Women in in AV AV podcast, podcast. where we are encouraged by the incredible stories of women in AV. Listen in on fun, empowering conversations as we chat with inspiring women, breaking barriers, and creating their own path in the industry. Check out Women in AV on avnation.tv or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Next story, uh, Jabra launches a new software to remotely manage their devices. Headset Maker has unveiled a new cloud-based platform called Jabra+. Plus for admins to allow IT teams to monitor and control meeting rooms and equipment remotely. The firm said the software aims to help uh, save time by managing and troubleshooting issues with its video conferencing gear, also offers real-time status uh, tracking to spot problems and customize options to configure products in mass. The firm said that uh, an early adopter program is open now ahead of a full launch later this summer. Ms. Dean, I'm going to start with you uh, as a manufacturer or the ma- the manufacturer on, on the panel here. Brightsign has uh, and has had for years remote management software. You know, not to be silly, but half of Brightsign's you know IP is is software and, and the management and the, and the designing of it. Um, it, it, what? How how do IT managers juggle all of these various systems because? As much as you know, you know, Jobber's got some really cool stuff, and then you've got Poly, and then you've got Crestron, and then you've got Xtron, and then you've got BrightSign, you've got all these disparate systems. Having a system to manage all of this are, is a bare minimum, right? To get into the IT space. That's great, but at some point, their desktop is going to look like their iPhone with a thousand apps. How the heck do they bring all these together?
0: So, I mean, to your point, we've had. Uh, remote management of the hardware for quite some time now. I think just in, in the digital signage world, with all of our devices always being connected, we're kind of ahead of this game a little bit. And I think that what you have to look for in a manufacturer when you're purchasing hardware that you want to manage remotely is making sure that they have open and resting APIs, right? Because you may start out just by controlling your devices or managing your devices through their app, but at some point as your organization grows or maybe if if you're an integrator or a reseller and you're managing all these different uh customers with all these different applications and all of these different pieces of hardware at some point you're going to, going to want to take the best of all of that and put it into a third party dashboard or build your own okay. if you build your own and you have those apis that are already done for you it makes it really easy and i've actually had some integrators tell me over the last i would say you know two years that they won't buy hardware that does that doesn't have some kind of MDM that has RESTing or open APIs.
2: Interesting. Kelly, I'll ask you a little bit uh, coming off of that one. Have you, you, do you design systems that don't have some form of API, some sort of, you know, ability to get in there and manage it, whether it's for, from the, the dealer standpoint or it's from the end user standpoint?
3: Um, not often because that's actually uh, a request most often when working with these IT teams and IT people who are, um, working with us during the design process and and what they're looking for in terms of how they can uh, you know have these network monitoring tools because that's one of the, the largest things that or requests that we get is we want to make sure we can utilize our network monitoring tools to track performance of uh, not just what's going on around the building or what's going on around the rooms but we need to check the performance of the equipment, the routers, the switches, firewalls, um, monitor bandwidth usage, set up alerts for suspicious activities. Um, so we typically get the request. It, it's t- very, and especially with working with an IT team specifically, um, you know, they, they come to us and, and they're, pretty good about telling us these are our requirements and this is what we're looking for in terms of server and security monitoring and, and asset management and how we, how can we, you know, maintain an inventory of all equipment. And so we, we don't ever design anything that, that, or include anything in the design that will not provide that patch management and that, in and that monitoring and that, um, that network utilization. We... It, 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 we look at many different products, but that at the end of the day, um, if it's not something that's already set up to be all in one place, then it's not something we even talk about.
2: Right. Brock, uh, final question with you on this one. How are manufacturers responding to this desire, to de- de- responding to this pull from the, the, the customer that's saying, hey, I want to see everything. I want to I do everything. I want to manage everything all in one dashboard. I'm not sure manufacturers are
1: responding that well to all in one dashboard. Um, Everybody wants to, seems to want to keep uh, you on their platform. Um, And, uh, and, you know, as an integrator or a a large enterprise client have to have six or eight or 10 uh, different pieces of software uh, out there talking to devices. Um, You know, we, we continue to look at, at, uh, companies like Exite um, and uh, and some of the others uh, that provide overall management um, it's still very expensive relative to free and that has been the barrier is that uh, um, the you know the the Omni managers uh, cost a bunch and they get their poly for free and they get their Barco for free and they get their extron for free and 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 uh, so it, it's um, it's challenging.
0: Well, that's for manufacturers too. Like you need the interoperability between devices, right? And that includes companies like Jetbelt and Excite, to to Brock's point. So it's like yeah. you have to make sure that not only do you, I mean you're in a tough spot. We have to have MDM. We have to have that ability to manage those devices. Or that that's part of the sales cycle. You're not even be included. But at the same time, recognizing that. You also have the ability to, or you need to have the ability to allow for the interoperability between other people's third-party dashboards, so that you can simplify the process for the integrator that's actually going to be managing all of these devices. Right? You got to do both. It's not one or the other. You got to have both.
1: Yes, and I, I, I'm not sure that manufacturers are preventing it, um, but as an argument, free is uh, is tough. Uh, you know why? Why will somebody pay? Um, you know. $11 per device per mo- or per room per month um, uh, across their enterprise when they can get the same services with a few more eyeball movements uh, across a, a a knock screen. So it, it's um, uh, uh, I think it's great that Jabra's bringing it out. It's kind of a price of admission uh, in the space that they work. Um, it's good to be able to do that.
0: So we have a version that will that um, you can use for Sign to, to, to control your devices and manage them. And what I find interesting is when we came out with this product, we came out with it because with, with the open APIs, because the, the, the idea was that all of our CMS partners, which we have, you know, hundreds of them, would take that control cloud and they would take those APIs and they would integrate it into their own dashboard. And so a customer could log into the partner's CMS, the software, and they could have remote management of the hardware and they could do their content, but that didn't happen. And the reason it didn't happen is because in our world, the people that are managing content are not the people managing hardware. So we thought, oh, "Oh, no one's going to want this swivel chair effect, right? But the truth is, is that it wasn't the swivel chair because the people that are logging into one of our partners to push in content are not the people managing hardware. And so what we found was they were okay having these separate systems. And so I just find it interesting that we, we did all of this to make sure that we could have true integrations with third parties and cu- and the consumers themselves are the ones coming back and saying, yes, know, yeah, I don't do anything with content. I'm just going to sit over here and manage this hardware. It's fine for me.
1: Yeah, and, and no no disrespect, Misty, to your um, to your offering that is able to manage hardware. But the only hardware that your devices are connected to are a display. Um, the uh, uh, you know something like Jabra could be uh, could be sitting. In a room that has seven or eight different vendors' products in it, and it's um, it's a ton more. To your point, we're
0: part of that, though. So it's still it's still something that has to be recognized. I mean, when you do a large enterprise style rollout, it's not just signage; like it's everything, right? And so we're just one component that has to be controlled. But for us, it is a little bit more segmented because again, the people that are managing content are are typically different. But we're still part of the same solution. We're just just one more, one more box in there. We just happen
2: to be purple. Interesting. Final story uh, from our friends at Sennheiser and Cusis and Cisco. Uh, the new mi- uh, microphone and processor system from Sennheiser and Cusis has been approved for use with Cisco's range of video conferencing equipment. Companies said that the companies said that the combined solution will give improved sound quality and control features when using Cisco's collaboration bars, room kits and meeting devices. Charlie Jones from Sennheiser said aligning with Cisco allows them to enable quote unquote, more dynamic and effective communication in meeting rooms and learning spaces worldwide. Kelly, first question for you. How do end users benefit when companies like this come together? You've got three global major players here, Sennheiser, Cisco and, and and q is coming together, how do end users benefit when, when these com- folks come together and, and play nice?
3: So I think those certified products are more likely to be um, compatible and, and they can operate with a variety of those soft co- codecs. Um, and I think that it also, them coming together is going to enhance that user experience as well. Um, so I think it offers a more friendly and, and experience. And I think that at the end of the day, those certified devices um, are also designed to offer that user-friendly experience, um, and a lot of the p- plug-and-play functionality that we we hear a lot about, and how can we do automatic updates, and how can you optimize performance, and um, I think the quality assurance is also going to help with that aspect, and 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 off, oftentimes. Um, we don't. We don't get a lot of that. The certification programs offer a lot of that, more of that QA and, and rigorous testing um, that you don't see otherwise. And I think that reliability and and, and the communication overall and um, communication experiences will be improved. I think um, they will be also offering um, for, for virtual meetings at least, which we have a lot of now. Um, and my my case lately, it's been only virtual meetings. So where audio and video quality, as well as cons- consistent connectivity matters. Um, and that's essential for effective communication and collaboration. I think that that reliability and that communication is going to improve. Um, and then just, you know, certified devices also have these, they support advanced features and functionalities, depending on whichever soft codec you're, you're talking about. Um, you know, I think they the end users specifically can take advantage of that, um, those advanced features that are typically offered. And and then you go into the, you know, integration and, and security compliance and, and support and updates, um, which are kind of secondary to that, uh, to those points. But I think, um, I think overall, I don't see it as a bad thing. Um, I, I think it's can only be a plus. Um, I think that if, if we're talking about just the software-based solution for audio and video communication and collaboration, uh, overall, when they receive their certification for their products, especially when it's a manufacturer uh, that's integrating with those soft codecs, those end users are only going to experience the advantages of it. All
2: right. Brock, this is going to come off snarky, and I don't mean it to be. There's over 200 video codecs out in the, in the, in the world and I'm going to pick on Misty when it comes to, you know, partnering with, with other manufacturers here in a second, but how many certifications does Sennheiser and QSIS need? Like, do they need all 200? I sure hope not. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, the the certifications are based on the platforms that people want to use. Um, Zoom was winning for a while. Uh, Now teams is, you know, um, is way out in front. Um, uh, Webex is still used by a lot of our clients and moves a lot of Cisco product. And, uh, and there's always, uh, there's always that guy down the street that, uh, that wants to call me on Google.
2: Um, don't talk to them. Don't
1: just don't. Know, t- do so, so maybe there's four. Um, okay. It, it, maybe there's four, but from an integrator perspective, when we're, when we're choosing equipment, one of the things we do is go to those uh, uh, manufacturers' websites and see what they're already proven to play nice with. Because the thing that costs us a fortune is getting out in the field and finding out that, what do you mean the mute button on the navigator panel that works with a 920 doesn't work with a TC2, right? These, These are the things that drive you absolutely crazy um, because uh, nobody at Cisco ever talked to uh, somebody at, at uh sys and they never talked to somebody at Sennheiser. I don't think that this is brain surgery. Um, I think this is basic product management. Uh, you, If you're selling microphones or nanos, uh, you want your product to work with absolutely everybody else that's in the mainstream uh, out there. And if you're you know, if you're a, a sniveling little aspirational upstart manufacturer, uh, it it better work with everybody uh, because we're you know we're not even going to give you a listen. So that's uh, that's my two cents. It's table stakes, um, and uh, uh, and I love it that I I love that the walled gardens have come down. I love that uh, that Cisco, who two years ago uh, played with nobody um yep. was uh, uh was it i s e promoting Microsoft teams on their devices um, i yeah. i i think that's i think that's fantastic i I love not having to sell against Cisco uh because they 're tough to sell against um just because you know the users told me that they really wanted teams
0: <laughs> if you want to watch somebody cringe just say the word proprietary
1: well but yeah that that whole walled garden thing.
2: Um, just, uh, just doesn't cut it anymore. All right, Misty, last word on here. How, how do how end users benefit when, when companies come together?
0: I've been dying to answer this question for some reason because I love partnerships, right? Like we built our business on partnerships and I think that the biggest benefit that the consumer, the end user gets from it is that confidence. If you look at the number one reason a buyer is hesitant to sign a contract, it's, it's risk of failure. And what partnerships and certification give you is mitigation of risk. Even if it's perception of mitigation of risk, that's what we're solving for. And so if you can you could increase that confidence and make them feel that this is going to be a sustainable solution, uh, partnerships are, are vital. They're
3: critical in, in achieving that.
2: All right. That will do it. Thank you all so much. Uh, Kelly Teal, thank you, ma'am. How do people connect with you?
3: Uh, LinkedIn right now only.
2: <laughs> all right. Uh, Mr. McGinnis, thank you, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you or nationwide?
1: Also on LinkedIn, I'm Brock at
2: NationwideAV.com. Uh, every
1: once in a while, I show up on X uh, now just for uh, you know, just to watch the bun fights uh, at Brock McGinnis. He also posts some really good pictures of
2: food. I just don't let him kid you.
1: Yeah, tonight <laughs> so. should tonight should be a good. Uh, I, I think it, it's a mustard covered pork loin roast with some cloves
2: and on fennel. We're recording this on Friday, so by the time you listen to this, you'll have to go back in the timeline and, and look at it. There will be leftovers. Okay, excellent. Uh, Misty Chalk, thank you so much. Uh, I really do appreciate appreciate it, no matter how much I, hard of time I give you. Uh, how do people connect with you and BrightSign?
0: Well, I have been told I'm terrible about social media, but you can find me on LinkedIn. But It's probably better just to email me at mchalk at brightsign.biz.
2: For me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me anywhere uh, at all, um, because at this point in uh, in the calendar, I'm just waiting for the Bears to make up a decision uh, as much as Justin Fields is waiting for them to make a decision. Uh, but go by the website, if you would, please, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others, including brand-new State of Controls, EdTechs, and a women in AV. Also a brand spanking new architect uh, where Brian Heidgerken talks to architects about the intersection between AV and architecture. A um, couple things coming down the pipeline for us. By us, I mean me getting on a plane, heading to Crestron Masters and uh, as well as Modern Work Summit. Happens at the same time, so I'm not going to two trips there. Uh, March 19th through the 21st. And, and then the very next week, I'm going back to Orlando because it's such a lovely city. Uh, Enterprise Connect, March 25th. The 27th, if you're going, uh, hit me up and let, let's go hang out. I know at least one of those trips I get to hang out with my buddy Chris Netto uh, and some other folks. So, all that and more at TV. That's TV. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.
3: The network for the AV industry. What
0: are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.